So today is our Missional Partners Sunday, and uh, as we said, it's kind of a different uh, service for our church, but yet these things are happening all the time around you. We call them Missional Partners because you maybe not are aware on a Sunday to week-to-week basis as to what's happening, but there are all kinds of ministries and things going on that people who are part of this church or connected to this church or part of our community that we always want to make sure you're aware of as the, as the people of God. We're going to do another one of these missional uh, partner Sundays sometime in the spring because we have other partners as well that we're going to celebrate them, things like Teen Challenge and uh, things like the... the, the um, Fusion Canada, and we're going to explain that in that time, but this time today, we're going to be talking about these different ministries a little bit, but I'm going to talk about God's real plan and why this is important for us to be uh, aware of these things. So Operation Christmas Child, as uh, Pastor Peter has already said, uh, at the end of the service, they're going to be setting up some tables for people who want to buy um, and send overseas to third world countries a gift and this is probably, for many of these children, this will be the only gift they, they receive. Uh, it's incredible. And so in that gift box, you're going to see there's all kinds of things for them, from balls to, to pencils and different things that are, we take for granted. We have hundreds of pencils in a drawer in our house right now, but overseas, many kids don't even have one. And so we get to send that uh, ahead. And so you're going to get a chance to connect with Operation Christmas Child, and I encourage you to do that. For years, our family has done that with our kids and uh, just sending one of those gifts, and so you can be part of that. The Jessica Martell Society, which really is a ministry for victims of domestic abuse and violence, comes with counseling and protection. And how many of you know the Jessica Martell Society is actually building a safe house right now in Mournville? Right now. And uh, this is a safe house for uh, victims of, 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 of abuse and, uh, and for the families. And so just an incredible ministry that uh, we want to, we support in prayer all the time, but I know many of you support it. The Jessica Martell run happens every year. There's the, the big gala event that happened a few weeks ago that many people in our church support and are part of, and we're just very thankful that this ministry is going on. How many of you know, even though this is not part of our church, they're representing the heart of God? the heart of God to care, the heart of God in this, in this region. Uh, and so we're very thankful for the Jessica Martell Society. The Father's House Christian School, many of you don't know uh, that we have a Christian school that's a t- part of our, our, our church family here. And uh, they have about 40 to 50 children in the, in the Christian school. But we have 1,500 homeschool students that are supported through that Christian school. Do you know that our Christian school is one of the only tuition-free Christian schools Schools, private schools in all of Alberta, tuition free, and uh, that is amazing. And that is because of the hard work of uh, of our school leadership and our our church board that we have been able to present that as an option for our families and our community. Uh, it's incredible ministry. There, as Pastor Peter said, they've got some all kinds of cool things. They have the best sausage in all the world for sale that you can buy some buy at least five rings for Christmas coming up. And you can do that, and they have all kinds of gift cards that they are, you can buy those gift cards if you're going to give them away as Christmas gifts. And you're like, Pastor Greg, you're talking a lot about money. This is starting to get uncomfortable. Why does the church always talk about money? Don't worry. The church doesn't just talk about money. Everybody talks about your money. So let's just get over that and understand that everybody has an opinion about your money. So let's find out what God's opinion is. And then uh, the higher grounds... uh, uh, you know, Higher Grounds Espresso, and I call it Bistro, 
but just a, an incredible outreach uh, arm of our church. And we got involved with the Higher Grounds about a year ago, almost a year ago now. Uh, and uh, the Higher Grounds uh, coffee house was going to close down. But we said, you know what, if we come in as a, as a church and are able to come and support that and lift that up. And how many of you know Higher Grounds is an incredible uh, opportunity and a ministry within our community? There, this is an outreach arm. Uh, this is a non-profit coffee shop that uh, all the profits, all the tips, everybody that works there, you know, they're all volunteers. And all the tips that come in from that go back into our community. Do you know some of the stuff that Higher Grounds has done this year? Uh, we've supported our first responders. They did a thank you uh, kind of coffee and dessert, our meal certificate, different things for our first responders. Uh, military families and deployed military people, we uh, sent a package. Kim does an amazing job in setting it up. Our first responders, as I said, uh, big community Thanksgiving. Do you know that for Higher Grounds put on the community Thanksgiving this year uh, that was filled with... I don't, I, probably 150 people coming here for a Thanksgiving meal this year. Uh, uh, again, they supported the Jessica Martell Foundation themselves last, uh, last month. The food bank they support. All kinds of benevolent leads, backpacks for schools. They sponsored a PTSD counseling and therapy uh, session this month. And uh, this month, all the proceeds going right now for the next uh, six weeks are going towards Christmas hampers for families in need. That's being split between the Knights of Columbus Christmas hampers and the Mournville Marvelous Mums. That's part of a ministry that you support all the time uh, in uh, supporting Higher Grounds. Let's give all these four ministries a hand one more time. Amen. It's super exciting that we're part of this church family. And, uh, you know, this church supports the food bank, social services, victim services, Fusion Canada, Teen Challenge, the Town of Mournville Festivals, all kinds of things that go on all the time that are happening outside of what you know in the normal scope of church life. And so I asked you earlier, you know, you say, well, pastor, you're always, talk you're always talking about money. Not really. I've been in, we don't really talk about money a lot, but we have been lately because we're in a building campaign. And uh, now we have this Sunday kind of dedicated to this. So I thought I'd talk about God's opinion about your money today. And, uh, you know, you don't have to listen to God. You really don't. And you can listen to the world and you can listen to uh, yourself or you can listen to God. I just want you not to, not to just check out for a minute. Don't check out. Uh, what I want you to do is just say, okay, what does God say about my money? There's lots in the Word of God about it. Do you know Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell combined? Why? Because he knew that where your wallet is, there your heart is also. And so I think we need to know what God's opinion about money is. We can go one way or we can go God's way. And I think as, the, as believers, we need to understand there's a different opinion uh, of how m money is managed. And so when I am outside of God's thought process, it's all about me. This is my money. I do what I want with it. And I understand that. But when we're inside the thought processes of God, we are stewards of that which God has entrusted to us. You move and become a manager. Steward is just a, a fancy word for manager. You're a manager, and God has entrusted you with many things. Let's think of the things that God has entrusted you with. How many of you know that God has entrusted you with time? 86,400 86, seconds a day. God writes you a check every single day. 
86400 How are you going to spend it? Now, the good news is God will give you a check the next day. Another 86400 And the next day. But the thing is, what we don't understand is we actually, God, the Bible says God is keeping account of all those things. You're thinking, crazy? that's crazy. I don't want to hear that. No, it's actually true. You need to hear it. Because I don't want to be blamed one day that I didn't tell you that there's actually an account going on with all that we do. Well, time's one thing. How about your talents, your abilities, your passions, your gifts, your skills? All those things God has given to you, and he says, steward them, manage them. Your testimony. You know what? Your testimony is so powerful. What's your testimony? It's your story. Your testimony is your story. You know what else is your testimony? It's your name. You know, when your name is spoken, when somebody talks about you, do you understand that your life testifies? And you ever heard somebody say, oh, yeah, I know Jim so-and-so. I, you know, I know Jim uh, Sandmeyer. He's, he's amazing. What an amazing guy that Jim Sandmeyer is. Do you understand that because the way Jim Sandmeyer lives his life, his life is testifying? Now, when people talk about you, what do they say? Just a question. You, you have to steward your testimony. Does that make sense? You're a steward of your testimony. And uh, just... Amen. Leave that alone. Okay, temple. Your temple, your body, your mind, your emotions, your soul. God's saying you're a steward of those things. Manage those things well. Amen? Your, your truth. That's another thing God says. The knowledge that he's given you, the understanding, the wisdom that you've gained, the gospel that God has entrusted to us. He says steward it. Manage it well. Share in such a way that people are compelled to come and to find their way home to the Father and to know the God who loves them is for them and not against them. And then lastly, the thing that God is calling us to steward is our treasure. You know, the Bible says that God has even given you the ability to make wealth, and he wants you to steward it for his kingdom's sake. That's really what God's heart is. God's heart is that we're fruitful and that we multiply that fruitfulness, all that he's given us, for the good of all people around us, the good of all mankind, and for the glory of God. And so let's talk about that today as we look at a few quick thoughts about God's heart for finances in your life. Let's pray. Father, just uh, help us just to skip a stone. That's all we can do, uh, skip a stone across this ocean of stewardship. And I pray that you open our hearts and our eyes and our minds and help us to be joyful, hilarious wonderful givers today. In Jesus' name, amen. So God's stewards understand that giving is an investment, not a liability. That's the first thought. If you're going to be a steward for God, you got to understand that stewardship is, a, is, is an investment, not a liability. How many of you know that uh, people see giving a lot of times as a liability? They see it as a loss. And I think we approach our finances that way. Sometimes, you know, the world's ways are this, guys. This is what the world does. The world says spend. It's your money. You spend. Then you have your debt. You pay that. Maybe the opposite you go. Then there's tax, which comes out whether you want it or not to. And then there's, then there's savings. You know, you got to save a little bit. And then there's giving, if there's anything left. And how many of you know... We're notoriously bad at the end of the month to say, oh, there's nothing left to give because it's all gone in the first four categories. But God's ways are actually the flipped opposite in many ways because the very first thing God says is give. Give. And then he says save. Then he says make sure your taxes are paid, your debt is done, and then spend whatever you have left. 
So opposite of the world's ways. And really a scripture that brings us and invites us into God's way of thinking is this one in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me read it to you. This is from the Message Bible. I love this. It says, remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind as to what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories of arm twisting. Sorry, I added the kind of the emphasis there. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God can pour out blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready for what needs to be done. As one psalmist has put it, he throws caution to the wind, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God's God, who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals, is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something that you, you can then give away. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's a pretty good scripture, isn't it? Second Corinthians chapter 9. I love it. So God's methodology, all throughout the Bible, he has three ways that he talks about giving in your life. And I'm just going to, again, skip a stone across this. He talks about giving in the area of a thing called the tithe, which just means a tenth, a tenth. So that's 10% of your increase. God says you're to bring that into the storehouse of the Lord. That's for the widow, the priesthood, the orphan, the stranger. And it's really for the management of what God does every week in this church and other churches all around the world, all around the globe. God says, I want you to bring your tithe into the storehouse. Do you know that all the operation of all the things that happen in this church happen because people tithe in this church? And that's an incredible thought when you think about the ministries and the lives that you're affecting. Do you know Pastor Matt had, um, I think it was close to 120 youth out to an event just two weeks ago. 120 youth came out from this community. Do you know that youth don't really have anything to give? They only have money to take from parents. Any parents figured that out yet? <laughs> yeah. So we, we support that ministry. Do you know that there are over 100 kids in our youth, in our children's ministry that we support? You know that mom's morning out, all those things happen because people are faithful to give in this house. Do you know that 5% of everything that you give goes into world missions? And that we support ministries all over the world in third world countries. In Mozambique, we sent our first missionary couple to Mozambique because of your faithful giving in this church. So 5% supports world missions. And then 5% supports local missions and different things that are happening here in our community. So because God is a generous God, we want to live that way. You know, God is really wants us to understand that the declaration of independence from the world system and dependence of, upon God comes as we tithe. Now, though that's a lot of money, and I understand that when you think that way, but you have to start just shifting your thinking into God's th thought process. Because God says, put this first, and if you will do this, see that I will not bless you in all of your life. It's an incredible opportunity for us. Now, you know, when we tithe, we need to understand that we don't say at the beginning of the month, well, I give, I, you know, I give 10%, so I'm going to take you know, 3% and put it over here, and I'm going to put 3% here, and I'm going to put 6%, you know, whatever. That's 3, 6, 9. So, you know, you're getting there. You're, you're, math, you're math challenged, but you're going to make it. You know, God is saying there's a, a tithe that I want you to give, and I want you to direct it toward wherever you're being fed, where God is leading you in the church that you're part of. So that's 
the first part of God's understanding of money. The second is offerings. And that's giving over and above your tithe. You think there's more to give? That is crazy, Pastor Greg. Well, we're in a building program right now. How many of you know that even in our building program, we're raising hundreds of thousands of dollars, eventually millions of dollars. This church is so generous. Uh, God has blessed us over the years. In the last several years, this church has given over a million dollars a year. When you combine the tithes and the offerings of this church, this church, that's incredible. Uh, and people don't even realize that. All the things that are supported because we're building a church across the road that is going to continue, hopefully for generations to come, to influence and to do things that God can say, look at what my people have done and look what has done for my glory and for my name. So this, this offerings that God is calling us to do, there's all kinds of things. And, and all throughout the Bible, you can read about offerings. The third thing that God says uh, is a thing called alms. And alms is giving to a need or to poor. It's basically recognizing around you that in this world around you, you have to be supportive of people who are in need. Do you know that Higher Grounds, one of the things we do in Higher Grounds is, do you know that they give away, I think it's about six, me six meals a day for people who are in need in our community. Isn't that awesome you're part of that? That, that people are not going hungry in our community so that, I think it's six sets of meals, actually. That's pretty incredible. That that's happening every single day because of your faithfulness. You understand that's an alm. That's a giving of an alms. It's helping and supporting people that otherwise would be in trouble without that. And God's plan for your finances, as you can see all this, is not only that, but he wants to bless and prosper you, church, so that you can grow in your generosity. See, because the second thing about stewarding for God is this. God's stewards know that there's more than enough. There's more than enough. See, scarcity says there's never enough. Scarcity says there's never enough. Abundance says there's more than enough so that what I have, I can share. Um, I'm sure many of you have this testimony as well, but I grew up in a house that there was always more than enough. We were not wealthy people by any stretch of the imagination. I'll tell you how we shared in our house. In our house, you would always find somebody over for dinner that was not part of our family. And it was like mom just automatically, if people would show up, would just set an extra plate or two or three or whatever. Every single, you know, just it was the way it was. And our kids, our friends, tend to hang out at our house and mom would feed them and dad would feed them. It was just one of their things they'd do. It's one of the things that my wife and I did uh, when we decided that we want our house to be the hangout house up for our kids. And so that meant pizzas, chips, pop, vegetables, which no one ever ate. Um, do you understand? Because we just said we want our kids and their friends to know this is a safe place that they're loved and they can always come here. And I remember growing up as a kid, uh, different Thanksgivings and, 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 and different times of celebration and seasons of hospitality, that I, there was never a time in our house, like Christmas as an example, my mom had 12 brothers and sisters. And uh, many of them, uh, you know, were, were doing okay, but many of them were not. And so I remember their families always coming to our house for Christmas. And so we'd have up 70 or 80 people for a Christmas dinner at my mom's house. And uh, that was just something that I grew up with. I remember shockingly, probably about, I don't know, it was a, 
few years ago, telling my we had our first Christmas when it was just our immediate family. And I was like, this is the weirdest thing ever. Do people do this all the time? Like, this is not, we had like a 20-pound turkey, and it was like, we ate a pound and a half, and then the rest we just ate for the next six months, apparently. Do you understand that there's, God's stewards know there's more than enough, guys. You don't have to share everything you have, but you need to understand something. Those who flow in God's economy, I can't share more than I have, but I can share what I have. And I think we need to have that heart of generosity. That's how God sees it. And he wants us to understand. Here's the third thought. God's stewards are receivers and givers. Receivers and givers. Um, Did you bring that for me, Betty? What timing? I forgot these at home and my wife brought them. Give my wife a hand. She's so amazing. Thank you, Vanna. Aren't those beautiful? Let me tell you a story behind those. So receivers and givers. When I went to, uh, on a Mexico missions, missions trip um, several years ago with our MDS students, actually, I think it was the first year we did MDS, and uh, we stayed at this, this little church that was being built, and uh, we were there to build the church. That was part of our, our project as we were extending and expanding this church that was building, being built, and so we were building a wall. It was the most terrifying. I got electrocuted twice. It was not safe at all. It was, no, your kids are safe. Those are your kids that are MDS. This is, we're going to a totally different place. But uh, anyway, so part of it was the pastor and pastora, they had this little one room attached to the church. One room, I'm talking maybe 10 by 12. This was their house. This is where they lived. They had three adult children that, that, you know, one of them lived in one of the other little back corners of the church and two others had, were already moved out. But at the end of the, uh, the time when we were ministering there as a group, what was incredible was they came to me and they really, they did this whole service of just honoring us for coming from Canada to bless them. And, uh, it was, it's quite moving actually. And they cooked this feast for you and it's just like, wow, you are the special honored guests you sit at a table, it's all decorated, it is so celebratory and wonderful. But the, they gave me these incredible pots. I love them. Every time I look at them, I remember the generosity of this family that really had nothing. And to not take it would have been an insult to them. But this is what they gave me. So I always treasure these. Every time I see these, I remember the generosity of that family. You know, we live in a world today, guys, that's really, if you watch the Christmas story, which Pastor Matt has never watched, I can't believe it anyway, uh, the story of Scrooge. And you know, Bob Cratchit is this example of incredible generosity. He has all these kids, and he works for Scrooge, and Scrooge gives him one day off a year, but he begrudgingly gives him that day off. And, uh, you know, Scrooge just thinks he's being ripped off completely because he has to give Bob Cratchit one day off. And then the day comes, they're eating their meal, their meager little meal, because he's not paying Bob Cratchit very well. And uh, they're eating, and Bob Cratchit says, now let's give thanks for the benefactor of this meal, Mr. Scrooge. And his kids just go off the head. They're like, what are you talking, Dad, the guy's tore, he's horrible, Dad. And the father's like, no, we're gonna thank God for him, and we're gonna bless him. 
And I just think the difference between Scrooge and the difference between Bob Cratchit. I remember Scrooge in the scene shortly thereafter. He's out having his little meal, and he's, he's got this bowl of stew, and you can see him. He's hunched over, and he's eating the stew, and he runs out of bread. And he turns to the waiter, and he says, more bread. And the waiter says, it'll cost you one pence. He thinks about it for a minute. Never mind. And he just keeps eating. You're like, what a life. This guy. How many of you know God doesn't, you know, he wants you to be a receiver and he wants you to be a giver. I love this thought. God has prospered us not just to raise our standard of living, but also to raise our standard of giving. Amen? That's weak amen. <laughs> How many of you would love to get to the point where you're so wealthy that you could give away 90% and live on 10% and still be a multimillionaire? Any receivers there? Now we're getting there. Now we're, now we're cooking with gas. Yeah, there we go. Woo, come on, pastor. Now bring it down. Yeah. Hallelujah. God's stewards are thankful, joyful, and content. Thankful, joyful, and content. Too many of us in this world are consumers. We're joyful spenders, but we're not joyful givers. And uh, that's a challenge for us. Because we think that we're going to find blessing in spending and having more stuff when really the generosity of our lives, if we can turn it toward giving, I think that we'll be more blessed. You know, the cure for consumerism is to become a joyful giver. Look to be a joyful giver. Where can you give? You can't give everything, but you can give something. I remember reading a story about uh, NFL quarterback... Um, Kurt Warner, and so he was a two-time MVP for the Arizona Cardinals, I think, and um, he tells a story about when, you know, when he, they were first starting, and, uh, and he was in college. They didn't have any money. They, they had a family, and he was trying to support that, and they had to live on food stamps sometimes, and just the generosity of other people really affected their life in a powerful way, so when he uh, was playing for the Cardinals, he would have a thing called, uh, you know, every single away game, the night before, he would take his wife and him would take their seven kids and they'd go out for dinner. That was their tradition as a family. But every single time what they would do is every kid would take a turn for every different away game and they would pick a family in the restaurant who they would anonymously pay their bill. And so that was part of what they would do. The kid came in and, and whatever kid's turn it was, he would scan around and he had been, you know, thinking and asking God which family, and then all of a sudden he'd lock onto a family, and they would anonymously call the waitress and waiter over and say, we'd like to include their, that, put that family's bill upon our bill as well. And this is how they celebrated generosity. They said, you know, our, my kids don't remember the time when we had nothing. They only know the time of being, you know, raised in a family that uh, football has tremendously blessed. So we always want to remind them to be generous givers. See, God's stewards are thankful. They are joyful. They are content. And lastly, God's stewards are faith-filled and future-motivated. I just realized my watch is dead. What time have I got? Oh, I could add three more points. Man, <laughs> praise the Lord, Pastor. Go ahead. You're, you're prospered. Go for it, Pastor. God's stewards are faith-filled and future motivated. You know, when you're a steward, it's an interesting thing because you can say, 
in open hands, Lord, I know um, I don't know anything. I'm a steward, so help me to trust you. And you know, when things don't go right, how many of you know that's when you have to keep your hands open even more? And you have to say, God, wasn't expecting this cost, wasn't expecting this expense, but Lord, I'm a steward. Help me to trust you through this moment. And, and, and so we, we, you know, there's an incredible pressure that comes off your life when you stop grasping everything. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. I'm not fully there, by the way. My wife is way more there than I am. Um, she wanted to give these away. Let's just talk about that for a minute. because I, <laughs> I thought, Betty, you can't ever give these away. There's a story behind them. Anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> you see the, how covetous I was there for a minute? Oh, my goodness, that was terrible. <laughs> Missing the point. You know, every investment that you make in the area of finances or time or your testimony, all of those things are, as I said, being recorded in eternity right now. And what we don't understand is that part of the reward or the judgment of the believer, the judgment of the believer one day is God's going to go over your whole list of things, everything, everything I just mentioned before, your time, your treasure, your talents, all those things. God has it all recorded. The Bible says he's, he's a book of remembrance. He's written all these things down. And one day he's going to reward you in eternity for eternity. And he says that everything you did and, and you did outside of the kingdom of God, that you lived neglecting what God's plan was for that life, he says all that's going to be burned up and gone. It's all going to go. You know, I, I often say this. I, you know, I don't want when Greg Fraser's day of judgment comes, I don't want the angels to say to people that are gathered there watching, because everyone's watching, I don't want them to say back up. You know, this bonfire is not going to be pleasant. It's going to be hot, scorching. When you hear the backup buzzer and people are backing away because it's your time, that's not what I want to hear. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I entrusted you with this little, and you were faithful in stewardship, and I'm going to bless you with much. And that's what I want to hear when I go there. And so that motivates me when I think about investing time. That motivates me when I think about the different ways in which God calls me to steward my life. Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I remember uh, reading a story about A.J. Letourneau. And A.J. Letourneau was one of these rare business people who made hundreds of millions of dollars. But by the end of his life, he gave away 90% and lived on 10. And he was still a multimillionaire. But what was interesting, A.J. Letourneau, if you don't know who he was, he invented most of the earth-moving machines right up to uh, before the Second World War and well after the Second World War. And so he would say things like this. He'd say, you know, uh, I just keep, you know, I just keep, God keeps shoveling it into my life, and I just keep shoveling it out, using the shovel analogy, because he built shovels, right? And uh, he, he said, the problem is, is that God has a bigger shovel than I do. And so he lived his life that way. You know, there are many people who have that testimony of just being incredibly faith-filled and future-motivated. 
You know, my biggest thing for all of us here, 2 Corinthians 8 9, let me read this verse. It says, you are familiar with the generosity of our master, Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, he gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he became poor that we might become rich. See, the thing for you and I is this. I don't want you one day to say, Pastor, you didn't tell us God's strategy about money. I wanted you to know. This is why we talk about these things, because God has a plan. And he lays it out very clearly in his word, and we could talk a lot more about those things. But I want you to understand that one day, you know, your real retirement church is not here. It's not here. You know, God bless you, and may you live to 95 and 100 and 110 if you want. 120 for those really ambitious people. Um, but that's not your retirement. That's just a moment, a thread, a, a little dot in your eternity. Because God wants you to understand that you are eternal beings. And he wants to reward your life in eternity for eternity. And so how we invest all those things that we talked about, you know, when you're faithful with the little things, God can trust you with more. It was Rockefeller who said I never would have tithed on my first uh, million dollars if I didn't tithe on my first dollar twenty-eight, which was my very first salary, dollar twenty-eight a day. He said I never would have tithed on my first million if I didn't tithe on that one. You know, Rockefeller was an interesting character. He was a, he was the janitor in a Baptist church, the wealthiest man in the history of the world. Likely was Rockefeller. At one point, he was 2.4, 2.8% of the entire economy of the United States. That's what he was worth. In today's dollars, it would be five or $600 billion is what he was worth. And if you'd walk into this church, he was the janitor. And he taught Sunday school in that church. You'd never know. Isn't that incredible? That people, God has created people that are that faithful in the stewardship of what he's entrusted to them. So church, it's your choice. You can be in prayer, you can support these ministries, you can give toward them, or you, or you don't have to. I don't want you to feel under any pressure. It's really your choice. But understand in making those choices, all of us make those choices. That, that's, you know, where, where, is your, where are you turning your trust? Where are you putting your trust in? Just remember that as we go forward today. What I want you to do at the end of the service is we're going to open up. You can go and you can visit uh, the Jessica Martell Foundation, the Christian School, and uh, Higher Grounds is looking for volunteers. The, 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 the Christian School has got some things that you can be part of and participate in. And the Jessica Martell just being aware of what's happening there. You can go visit them. And then they're going to set up these booths, these uh, tables. They're going to pull them out for the next little bit. And you can buy a shoebox to support a kid. You can do that. Or you can go home if you have to. That's okay. You can buy them something to eat here. Or you can go home. It's okay. It's really your choice. But I want you to be generous people. Because I believe there's a blessing in generosity that reflects the heart of God. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your incredible giving people. Thank you for this church that is so generous. 
Lord, I just pray that you help us to always remember that you remember. That one day we will be rewarded in eternity for eternity. Help us to steward well our lives, our story, our finances, everything, God, that you might receive glory and honor. I pray your peace and your blessing upon people here. I pray your grace to abound. Lord, I pray for those who need a job, that they'll find work. I pray for those who need greater management skills. Bless them, Father. Help them. I pray, God, for those who are just so generous that they would just grow in their generosity and their blessing would be upon them. We say thank you, God, for every member of this church family. In Jesus' name, amen.